Hello and welcome to My Supernatural Vida, a bilingual English and Spanish podcast where I share the Word of God in my experience with the supernatural. I started this podcast because I know that there are others out there who, like me, for some time thought that they might be crazy or maybe even still do. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not crazy. You are supernatural. Let's be super together. An estimated 50 to a whopping 80% of adults report having occasional nightmares. And up to 50% of children ages 3 to 6 experience nightmares so severe that they wake up their parents. In addition, about 40% of the general population suffers from sleep paralysis. Today, I'm going to be talking about overcoming the terrors of the night, the nightmares, the sleep paralysis, and yes, even the warfare. I hope that by the end of tonight's class, you'll have some clarity on how you too can experience freedom in this area or have some information to take back to somebody you care about. So I began to experience sleep paralysis in my early teens, and I even remember the dream that I was having the first time I ever experienced sleep paralysis. Um, And I struggled with this thing up until recently. And I can't tell you how much shame and condemnation it brought me as a Christian woman and even as a Christian mother uh, to be experiencing these things until the Lord shared a revelation that brought me through my breakthrough, which is what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So we'll be covering um, reclaiming our nights, redeeming nightmares and our bedtime hygiene as well. Um, so get ready. So the first thing that I want to do, and I hope that these are some keys also that you can take back and that you can, um, use for your own freedom in this area. Even if it's not paralysis that you're experiencing during the night, whatever it is that you're experiencing during the night that is robbing you from your sleep or is keeping you from that rest, that sweet rest that the Lord promised you this, these are some keys that you can take back to combat that. So I'm just sharing my experience through which you can learn, hopefully, and you can use these tools for yourself as well. So one of the very first things that I want to address is our mind mindsets. Um, a lot of times we get caught up on what is it, right? Like what it is that we're struggling with and our mind gets so um, fixated on the issue. Like, what am I fighting? What is this? Where did it come from? What opened the door? Um, you know how do I fight this one? You know, how, and the, the truth of matter matter is that it doesn't matter what it is. If it's bothering you and it's not the right spirit, it has to go. It has to go. So stop blaming yourself that it's your fault that you let it in or you open the door to it. This is just simply a tactic of the accuser who is accusing you and blaming you for the fact that he is trespassing on you. And so if this isn't like the craziest mind game in quote unquote warfare ever, I don't know what else is, right? He is blaming you for what he's doing. Such a psycho. (laughs) Anyway, let me tell you about the summer from hell that I experienced this summer. That's what I titled it, my summer from hell. Um, And this is where I came upon this stuff. It was when I finally reached a point where, you know what, this is just getting way too much. I really need to focus in on this and, and like really get some revelation on it. So I think the harder I went for it, um, the more I experienced it. But let me tell you that I learned to turn this thing around. Um, 
as my training ground. I didn't waste any of it. Um, a lot of times we just kind of shrug things off and we just let things be what they be. We throw a little prayer on it and we never really quite experience a breakthrough on it. We just continue to deal with this, whatever that is for the rest of our lives, instead of taking, um, a lesson from it and just continue growing in it. And for me, this area became training grounds for me. So why, while it may have been, you know, bothering me and I may have been struggling with it for some time, it became a ground where I could train and I could take something away from. And little did the enemy know that what he was doing was actually making me stronger in this area so I can kick his butt. So anyway, my summer from hell, it was, uh, there was a lot of things that just culminated. Um, I was dealing with a couple of things. One of them I knew about for sure. And the other one was, I was kind of blindsided by, although I had discerned it, I didn't know where it was coming from or who was sending it or what the deal was. Um, and it just, the enemy really just took advantage of the season that I was going through to kind of piggyback on, on that. And so, um, it's just something that I think in the art of, of battle, you have to learn to recognize that a lot of times um, the enemy will piggyback on a bad season so that you blame it all on the season and don't ever look at him. So anyway, because we all go through that, like we all go through times in our lives, there's ebbs and flows and everything's not always riding the top of the rainbow and, you know, uh, singing happy songs and kumbaya, right? There's times where it's not the best time of our life, right? And so the enemy will sometimes use those situations to piggyback and then you, you never saw him coming. Um, but I, I had already discerned some things and the way I discerned some of these things are pretty obvious. But um, during the summer, I did have an entire night of fighting in the spirit, which I very briefly remember. Um, but waking up, I woke up to these words, though shall not suffer a witch to live like that was coming out of my mouth. And I was all sweaty. And my husband told me that morning that I, I had been speaking in tongues all night and that it seemed as if I was fighting something and it kind of made me go like, mm, what the heck was that? Right. And also kind of like, um, hello, hubby, you couldn't have stopped me. You couldn't have intervened for me or something, but he did say something. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. He said, Oh, I figured that you had something to finish. And so in that sense, I do appreciate him. This is something that he's watched me experience over the years. We've been married 16 years and he, shares a bed with me. So he's experienced my nighttime, um, fights or struggles. And maybe the last year and a half or so, I told him whenever I'm experiencing something like this, don't wake me up. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm like, don't wake me up. Let me finish. And so he took it very literally. And, <laughs> but I praise the Lord for that because you know what? I trained in this situation and I was able to come out with the tools and the, the weapons that I can use now. Um, so anyway, so that happened and there was a lot of other crazy things happening in my house at the feeling of a presence, like what I thought at the time was astral projection. Um, and later confirmed that it very likely was, um, astral projection. I, I could just hear them and feel them walking around my house, coming in and out of my room. Uh, even one night I felt this 
astral body or whatever you want to call it, uh, take a seat on my bed next to me. And that really just put me on edge. And it really, it, I was questioning so many things. I had no idea, um, that this actually was happening until after it was all over and it came to the light, but it literally, it did happen. Okay. Um, don't ever think yourself too unimportant for these things. <laughs> that was my, I think my, my, uh, my problem at that moment is that I thought myself to be too unimportant for these things to happen to me or to my house or to come at me. Don't ever assume that. Um, so addition to that, I was also having sleep paralysis and disturbing dreams in particular, a couple of nights um, of sleep paralysis that were just awful. Um, and I was starting to expect it. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that later. That's the problem sometimes too, is that, and, and the nature of what this is, is that you begin to dread it. Um, so it has a sense of expectation with it. And so when we expect things from the wrong kingdom or from the wrong system or from darkness instead of light, guess what? Whatever you put your expectation on is so what you're putting your faith on. And if you're putting your faith on the wrong thing, well, the wrong thing will manifest. It's the same thing as, you know, if we were to put our faith on the right thing, then the right thing is going to manifest because our faith is powerful, right? Our faith is unlocks things, opens doors, right? So if we put our faith on the wrong thing, um, then that's what's going to happen. And so I was beginning to expect this. It, it was like I was putting my faith on that over putting my faith on having sweet, restful sleep. And that's the, the object of this thing. It's it's dread. So um, that night, uh, particular week that I was experiencing things, uh, the third night it happened, which it was also happened to be the last night. Um, I was experiencing this crazy sleep paralysis, like over and over repeatedly. As soon as I started falling asleep, boom, boom. And so I began to get really irritated and angry, um, and how it kept harassing me. So by the way, if you don't know yet, if what I just said does not give you a clue, sleep paralysis is a demon. Okay. I've, I've heard people call it, um, succubus and incubus. I've even heard people, um, try to blame it on psychology or on our mind, on our bodies, on stress and all these things. Um, but it's a demon. Let's just call it what it is. And I don't feel that particularly in my situation, it was a succubus or an incubus because I, I did not experience any of the manifestations that a husband, uh, a spirit husband or a spirit wife would, would do. Right. It was just the object of fear. It was just paralysis and it was just nasty. And so it got nastier, but also weaker as it continued to harass me. And this has been going on, like I said, for years, right? So as I became stronger and it became weaker, but it's, it did not uh, relent on its nastiness, right? So plain and simple, it is fear. Psalm 91.5 uses the word pashad, which is dread. And so if you were just to look up that word dread, I mean, it's, it's not a good word. And it's exactly what we experience when we're, when sleep paralysis is, is over us. Right. So these are my own opinions on this. So please consider that. But, um, have you ever heard of fight, flight, or freeze as a response to fear? So this is fears. This is fears freeze characteristic manifesting upon itself. That is my opinion. That's a conclusion I've come upon when I've experienced 
sleep paralysis. So whatever spirit you're dealing with, what it imposes on you is its character, right? So if fear makes you afraid, that's because fear is afraid, right? So if fear makes you dread, that's because fear is dreadful. Um, if fear makes you want to run, that's because fear is a coward. If fear makes you freeze or paralyzes you, it's because you are on track to disabling it. So it wants to disable you first. So you need to really get this. It's the same thing with any other spirit. So like if somebody's suffering from a spirit of infirmity, that spirit is a sickly spirit. So if you were to see that spirit in the spirit, you would see that it's sickly looking, right? And anyway, I could go on and on, but I hope that you're getting the gist of it. So back to what I was talking about. So it was the third night that I'd experienced the sleep paralysis and it kept harassing me through the night. And then um, I became angry and I became upset with it. And instead of declaring Jesus, declaring truth, or because I could speak already by now, um, when it would happen, I would my body would be paralyzed, but I could move my mouth and I could speak. Um, I was, I believe, cursing at it, tossing bad words at it, and just being like um, angry at it, right? And I was trying to tell it off. Well, that doesn't work. Um, when I managed to finally free myself, I heard the Holy Spirit say or ask, why are you talking to it? OMG. I was like, you know what? That's right. Why am I talking to it? That's not where my help comes from. Like, why am I talking to it? I need rescue. I need help. I need assistance of some sort here. And I'm talking to it. I'm wasting my time. And so I realized, okay, so I need to talk to where my help comes from. My help comes from heaven. My help comes from the Lord. So I fell asleep. I drifted off to sleep again. And it happened again, except this time. I knew there was an angel on my bedside and I couldn't see it, but I knew he was there. And I also knew that that was my help. So I had a choice to make. Am I going to talk to the angel or am I going to yell at this thing again? It's a showdown. <laughs> and so I knew I had to ask for help and I had to ask my angel for help. and. But I didn't know how. All I could say was, help me addressing the angel. Help me. And as soon as I said that, boom, gone. Sleep paralysis gone. I woke up. I, I, could, I was free again. And so ever since that night, I've thought about this over and over, like really what happened. And so some of the things that I have come to conclusion is that um, we have to change the way that I did, and, and so I'm sharing with you, the way that we, um, quote unquote, war, because when you, and I say quote unquote, because when you really look at it, it ain't a fight. You know what I mean? If you're doing, doing things right, and you're facing off with a spirit, it's not a fight, because you have power and you have authority, and all it has is your permission to operate. So take it away. Take away the permission you've given this whatever spirit it is to operate in your life and to harass you. And you may be asking yourself, how did I give it permission? Like, how did I allow it? By entertaining it. That's how, by entertaining it. I was entertaining this thing by spending so much of my time 
studying what it was, how to defeat it, how to let it, and all that stuff I talk about in the beginning of the podcast. I was entertaining it. So moving on from that, the following morning, I was like, okay, I need to make, this needs to be permanent, right? Like I don't want to have to go through this every night. And although I'm sure my angel doesn't mind rescuing me, I don't want to have to need angelic intervention every night. I want the sleep, sweet sleep that's been promised to me. I want to sleep restfully and I want to dream with my God. Like, is that too much to ask for? Right. So the next day I knew like, okay, I need, this needs to be permanent. Like what just happened? I had to dissect that moment and I had to really just get it together. And so all day I thought about it. And then that night I was in class, um, uh, and my mentor was teaching my mentor, Ryan, I am, um, a part of SOK. So a lot of things I'm relearning a lot of things I'm learning how to do over. I might not have it all together right now. I probably, you know, won't like if you ever meet somebody that tells you they have it all together, run. <laughs> but right now, um, you know, I am studying the kingdom. And so that night, um, my, uh, mentor Ryan said, most of you are just one mindset shift away from the biggest breakthrough. And for some reason that triggered me. I said, wait, so you mean that my breakthrough is in my mind? Uh, so I started thinking about strongholds and what they are, how to destroy them. We destroy strongholds, by the way, with the truth. So we don't put all our efforts into destroying a stronghold. Because really, it's just a lie that set itself up against you firmly and is is parading as truth, right? So we don't spend our time in breaking down the stronghold as much as we spend our time in erecting the truth, erecting a greater stronghold, which would overtower and overshadow the other one. And so um, I also learned that... Um, when there is a siege st strongholds, like whenever an enemy has set up a stronghold against you, one of the strategies to um, weaken that stronghold is to create a siege so that food supplies and everything that that stronghold needs to survive cannot get to it anymore. So essentially what you're doing when you're feeding in, on truth and you're feeding the truth is that all the lies and everything that was going towards the supply of the other stronghold that was a lie um, seizes, right? So it weakens until it dies. And so uh, I don't even know if that makes any sense. So sometimes the way to defeat the stronghold is to cut off its supply, which stop feeding lies, stop reading lies, stop listening to lies, stop listening to these people who glorify darkness in the name of the Lord. That's that. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how there is preachers who have made an entire living off of YouTube instilling fear on people instead of preaching the kingdom. I don't understand that. But what you're doing when you're feeding off of that and you're listening to that and you're entertaining that is that you are giving supply to that stronghold of lies instead of feeding supply to the stronghold of truth and erecting that greater truth over your life. So 
I went off somewhere here that I, I didn't mean to, but anyway, I hope that makes sense to somebody. And if somebody was needing to hear that, I hope that the right person hears it. So I knew that I needed, I needed the truth and I needed some hardcore revelation on warfare. And, um, most of you are not going to like this, what I'm about to say, but we are not God's army. I don't care how cute that t-shirt is. Don't you dare put that personality over yourself that you are God's army. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You are a king. You are a queen. You are a mother and father in the kingdom, etc. But you are not God's army. God already has an army. These are the angelic hosts. Jehovah Sabaoth. He has a host, angelic host. He has an army. And those are angelic hosts. If you keep trying to put yourself in the ranks of angels who are made just a little higher than you, you're going to keep getting your butt kicked. That is my exhortation on that. So I started because the Lord speaks to me in dreams. So I started going through all of my dreams and I'm like, maybe there's some revelation in there, which there was. And I came across this dream uh, where uh, my, my, uh, my other mentor dub said in this dream, he was telling me, why would you want to do that? So <laughs> I was explaining to him second heaven warfare and how I would go there and how, you know, I would do warfare there. And he asked me, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, because it's warfare, you know? And he was like, no. That's why we have angels. That's what the angelic hosts are for. You just declare, you know, you just declare the truth and what, what God says about the situation you're in and the angelic hosts become activated and they do the warfare. They do the fighting, right? You're the mouthpiece, the declaration, like they're meant to recognize you. And so... <laughs> That dream was just like, I remember waking up from that dream and this was like months before I like actually got it. Right. Um, and I remember waking up from that and I was like, oh my gosh, that's heresy. <laughs> I'm dreaming heresy, but no, you guys, that is the truth. So as you're listening to me, you're probably wondering like, um, <laughs> Who do you think you are? Right? And that's the same question the enemy is always asking you. Who do you think you are? Don't you ever ask that question as a fellow believer to another believer because you're taking the place of the enemy in their life by asking, who do you think you are? And you know what? I do know a lot of people do, who do ask that question. Well, who do you think you are out here just bossing angels around? No, no, we ain't bossing angels around over here. But here's what I've learned, and thank my teachers for this, is that if I attack a citizen, that's an assault. But if I attack the ambassador of a nation, that's an act of war. Are you an ambassador? I hope you know that you are. Yes. Yes, you are an ambassador, according to 2 Corinthians 5.20 and Ephesians 6.20. You are an ambassador of the kingdom. So when I asked this angel for help in this situation, he recognized my voice as a child of God 
as an ambassador of the kingdom, asking for help. And that's what he was there to do. Where does my help come from? Right? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day and get this, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. How does that happen? How does he do that? It makes sense to me that sometimes he uses angelic intervention to do those things. And we can read in Hebrews 1.14 where it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? So that's one of the ways that the Lord carries out protection over you and um, you know how he uses angels to do those things. We also can relate uh, this concept to the story of Elijah with his servant. When Elijah prayed that his servant's eyes would be open to see that um, there was more, there was more for them than there was against them when the enemy's army was coming for them. And in that same story, we also witnessed that um, the Lord struck the enemy's army with blindness and, I would assume that he did that through those angelic hosts, or we would not have heard about them being there. Um, but again, just listen to what I'm saying, and then you do your own reading and your own research and, you know, come to your own conclusions about this. But I do find that angelic help has been amazingly productive <laughs> in my efforts to overcome the terror of the night. So I'm sharing that with you so that you may explore that for yourself and come to your own conclusions. Um, if you are anything like I was, you know, in that season, um, you're ready for answers. So if you're there, um, study this for yourself and use what's available to you as an ambassador of heaven and not just there, not just that, but as an heir of salvation, right? An heir to the kingdom as a child of God. And those are things that belong to you, rights that belong to you. So you don't have to suffer. And if you believe that lie, I break that off of you right now. At the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say it has begun. No, it is finished. We don't have to live in warfare our whole lives. Like, I believe that we hear the word warfare and we put ourselves in the battle and we strive for victory when the victory's already been won. The victory is already ours. Then some of us were introduced also to Jesus into religious churches. Like, um, I was, you know, I was in, in one of those churches before um, where we were taught more about warfare than the love of God. Right. We were introduced to the kingdom through fear of like, do you know where you're going to go tonight? If you die in your sleep, are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? Tell me that's not a fear tactic. Come on. You need to be introduced through the kingdom. I hope that this changes is you need to be introduced to the kingdom uh, through the door of a loving, kind, heavenly father who cannot wait to meet you. Think about the story of the prodigal son, right? Just think about that. I'm not even going to go through it. Just think about that. Um, 
I, I believe that that's how we should be introducing. That's the that's the God. That's the Father that we be, need to be introducing to people to um, bring them into the kingdom and introduce them to to receive that robe, to receive those uh, those sandals on their feet and that signet ring, right? And introduce them right away into the power and the authority that they have inherited through Christ and bring them into the kingdom with that knowledge of who they are, right? The heirs that they are to kingdom and not just salvation, because um, salvation, of course, is important, but that's just the door. And I talk more about that on the other podcast that I have of um, interpreting through the lens of love is that, um, you know, we are not introduced to a God who only cares to save us from, uh, you know, internal damnation, but we're introduced to a God who cares to give us an entire kingdom. And so through that, we gain our power and authority um, as heirs. Right. And so that's how we operate. But instead, we're introducing people and through this this crazy backdoor of of fear and and asking them, you know, are you going to go to hell or heaven? Well, it's you know, let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is more than heaven and hell. And so when that's all we introduce people to, we're introducing them into a life of warfare instead of a life of freedom. And, and first Peter 5, 10 tells us this, and after you have suffered for a little while, so I'm not saying that there's no suffering, but I am saying that it's only for a little while. So if your entire life as a believer has been warfare after warfare, warfare season after warfare season, let me tell you, there is something wrong and you need a reevaluation, honey. I'm just going to leave it right there on that. Why? Because Paul tells us that we are meant to go from glory to glory, but we are with unveiled face beholding as a mirror of the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So I'm more about going from glory to glory than going from battle to battle. Can I get an amen on that? So that was one big old key. Uh, <laughs> Uh, took the long route, but I hope that you got it. So as we're doing all of these things, we are renewing our mind. So some of the things that help us uh, with the renewal of our mind, which is my second point, is that we need to pick worship songs with the correct theology. Some of it is whack. It ties back to point number one. Uh, a lot of us think that listening to the wrong thing is listening to secular music, when in reality, some of us have been listening to worship songs with bath theology and we believe it. Some of the things, uh, like for example, one song that I know about says that uh, he starts singing that he's just a nobody. Uh, well, I'm sorry, but Jesus didn't die for nobody. Jesus died for everybody. So you are a somebody trying to tell everybody, can we change the lyrics on that? Just for the sake of rhyming, we're not going to just mess up somebody's entire theology. So if we really believe that we are nobodies, how much power does that give you? How much authority do you think you have? No, 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 no. That's terrible theology. I'm telling you guys, listen to what you're listening to. Pay attention. Like what is being said? What are you declaring with your mouth when you're singing along these things? Are you really activating the kingdom of heaven when you are not singing his language, right? Because the Lord's language is truth, right? So if he's speaking truth, and you're speaking not truth with these songs that you're singing, are you really activating heaven? 
So what does that say about your atmosphere? Is heaven in your atmosphere, right? Because you are you are an atmosphere yourself, right? You carry the heaven, like heaven inside of you. You are the temple of the Lord, right? You have your own atmosphere. So if you want to pour out from inside of you the atmosphere of heaven, start singing truth. Start worshiping with truth. Start worshiping in spirit and in truth. Also start decreeing and declaring. Stop begging for what's already yours. Like a lot of times in our prayers, which is a petition, we are begging, but we're begging for things that already belong to us. So we're praying for things we already have. And the Lord's like, I already gave you that. I already made that at your disposal. Like, why are you asking me? Use it, take it, pick it up. Get what you have. That's what a declaration is, is to declare what is on you, what you have, what you're carrying, right? So, I mean, I say this with all humility because that's what I felt like when I was doing each time I prayed. I felt like I was begging, you know, for God to make the enemy stop, for God to make a move, for God to do something when I had everything already. And that's another thing that clicked on me, you know, that night uh, when Ryan said that. It's like some of us are just a mindset shift away from our biggest breakthrough. And I realized that I had not been... um, utilizing what was made available to me already. Rather, I kept asking for it and I already had it. Declaration is to make known or to set forth, right? So an example of this is like when you go out to TSA at the airport and you hand them your ID and you make known what you have on or what you're carrying on. Well, that's a declaration. You're putting uh, out into the atmosphere or you're putting the atmosphere on notice of who you are and what you are carrying, right? So when you are declaring, you are, you are making a statement of truth of what you are carrying and, and make it known, right? So that the atmosphere gets the message, right? So Blue Letter Bible has as one of the definitions for decree command. So according to dictionary.com, a decree is defined as a formal and authoritative order having the force of law, a judicial decision or order. So that is what we're declaring declaring, and what we're decreeing. We are declaring what we already have, who we already are, putting the atmosphere on notice, and then commanding, um, uh, sending forth a formal and authoritative order um, that carries the force of law, right? So the atmosphere has to get it. They need to be on notice of who you are, that an ambassador of heaven, a citizen of heaven, a child of God has declared what they already, who they are, right? And what they already have according to the truth of God's word, right? And they respond to it and they carry out those decrees. So I hope that makes sense. Um, That's the best way that I can describe it for right now. And so Use it, man. Use your declarations and use your decrees. We sometimes when your answer, your the answer to your prayers doesn't seem to be coming. It's not that it's not coming. It's that you already have it, and you need to shift from praying for it to declaring it and decreeing it for it to actually uh, be effective, for it to take place, for it to happen. So my declaration became: In Him I live and move and have my being. So if the enemy wouldn't dare touch him, then he can't put a finger on me. And that's my decree, right? My declaration in him, I live and move and have my being. My decree is if the enemy can't touch Jesus, then he can't touch me.
And I have a little bonus here in this section for you guys. Um, and it's on spiritual retaliation. Um, I did try to help some people uh, that are closer to me with the same issue because we just happened to be going through the same issue at the same time. I shouldn't say just happened. It was not at all by coincidence. This was very strategic and it happened uh, strategically that uh, a group of us were experiencing the same things at the same time. And so, um, when I, I tried to help this person, which it did help it, she did report that it helped her. There was one thing that she said that, um, hinted me at the fact that she believed in spiritual retaliation. And she had said that, um, because she'd been praying for a family member, she thought that that's why she was being attacked in the night. So let me just tell you something, binding and losing our terms for the authority that has been given to us by the ultimate authority for us to use. And retaliation is illegal in the kingdom of God. You are Peter and on this rock, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. So if you are expecting retaliation, then that's what you're going to get. If you're expecting retaliation, that's what you're going to get. Go back to the earlier part of the podcast where I talked about expectation and faith. Ultimate authority has given you permission to advance the kingdom. You advancing the kingdom is a direct threat to the system of darkness. And he will try. I'm not saying he won't try it. He will try to retaliate on you. But just as quick as he does that, you put a stop to it. Why? Because you show your badge. I have authority to advance. And you need to get out of my way. Or you're going to get trampled over like a snake in a scorpion. Because that is what I do. <laughs> I got a little bit of gossip on you guys. All right. Stop believing that spiritual retaliation is your portion because it's not. I like the way that my teacher Ryan puts it. Both heaven and hell are looking for the same thing. Your agreement. If you agree that spiritual retaliation is your portion, then that's what you're going to get. But if you agree that you have full authority to advance the kingdom and anything that he does to stop that is illegal, then he's got to go. He's got to move. He can't do it. Gates of hell shall not prevail. Amen. So I hope that you have taken something from that portion and, you know, um, take it with you. Use it. Decree, declare, stop agreeing with spiritual retaliation. Um, <laughs> stop listening to crazy worship songs that are just jargon. Um, and start being intentional about what you choose to listen to, what you choose to give your attention to, what you choose to put out into the atmosphere or what you choose to pour out from yourself. Another thing I want to cover is uh, the topic of nightmares, um, because obviously those do happen in the night season, although sometimes they happen during the day, you know, when we take na naps. I'm not going to talk too much about them here in this episode because I did cover them a little bit on uh, translating dreams through the lens of love. That's another podcast uh, prior to this one that's on my show. If you want to go listen to that one so you can get more information on it. But also my mentor, Jake Bullard, is running a Redeeming Nightmares Masterclass starting next week, I believe November 4th. Um, so please check out the Dreams 222 webpage or the Dreams 222 Facebook page to get more information on that. Um, you know, just so that you can understand more uh, in depth uh, the cop topic of uh, Redeeming Nightmares. This is where uh, I also learned 
most of what I know about dream redemption and redeeming uh, nightmares. Uh, sometimes it doesn't have to be a nightmare. Sometimes there's dreams that just have nasty things in it that feel off or, you know, feel, uh, don't feel like they're from, from God. Um, but there is a way to redeem all of these things. Um, the enemy we understand comes to still kill and destroy. Those are his modes of operation. Um, so put it simply, it's when you're having one of those dreams is ask yourself, what is he stealing? What is he killing? What is he destroying? And also, um, he operates in pride. So pride will boast, pride will puff itself up. Pride will make itself look bigger than it really is. And a lot of times pride will show off. So, um, when you're having these dreams also, understand that he may be revealing something about you that he knows about you. And so just painting it in a different light. So draw sometimes even, um, your own identity from the things that, that he is oversharing with you in an attempt to scare you. Um, and so that's a little, uh, nugget on that. So remember to, um, to resist the enemy right? Um, just the simple term resist implies that he's going to keep trying, right? So we might have uh, repetitive nightmares and that's just him um, continuing and persistently trying to put you in a place of fear or even just to wear you down. Um, there's a, a part in, in I think, Second Kings where um, Elijah won't come down from the mountain, right? And the enemy keeps sending more soldiers to try and bring him down. The exact same amount of soldiers, by the way, uh, each time, even after Elijah has called down fire on two commanders and a hundred troops. Tell me, is the enemy predictable? Just by understanding the story, is the enemy predictable? Yes, yes, he is. He doesn't have any new tricks. He's not a creator. He's not very creative. Um, so he will keep playing the same card over and over again, um, especially if he has understood or has kind of gathered from you that there is a little bit of fear, right? Um, so he's going to keep trying, but you also keep resisting, right? And so uh, the way that we resist giving into the lies that nightmares are telling us is to redeem them, right? As to bring the truth of what God says about that matter over your life. And it's not as simple, although it's easy. Um, and, and that's why I refer you, you know, back to that other class. And then also to look up, um, my mentor, Jake Bullard on dreams two to two, uh, I believe dreams222.com and dreams222 on his Facebook page because he really does a magnificent job on teaching um, the body of Christ on how to view nightmares redemptively um, so that we may squash them. Essentially, I can tell you this, that when I first started uh, learning under him, I had a lot of these condemning dreams, a lot of nightmares, um, the sleep paralysis, even though I finally overcame it this year. Um, it tapered down a lot. I used to have it very, very often. And as I began to um, uh, arm myself with the tools that he teaches in his class, they began to just uh, taper down significantly. So um, I do recommend that you follow him, you look him up. And also, um, you know, now that you know the enemy's plans, like if you're able to gather the enemy's plans from the nightmares that you are having, um, don't prophesy the enemy's plans, right? You're not a mouthpiece 
mouthpiece for the enemy. You're a mouthpiece for God. And God has a better word. God has the real word. God has the truth about you and about your life. So uh, when we speak, we need to be speaking the truth and not what the enemy said, not what the enemy is doing, but rather what is God doing? And that I believe is real discernment. Um, cause we may quote unquote discern the plans of the enemy. Thank you, uh, to my teacher on that as well. My teacher, Ryan, who just did a teaching on discernment is that a lot of times we may be discerning correctly, but we're not discerning the truth. So our, our dreams, sometimes we may be discerning, um, correct, right? That there, the enemy has these plans for you or that the enemy is, is saying these things over you or is speaking these things over your life. But is that the truth? No, correct discernment is getting the truth, um, from God, what he says about you and about that matter or whatever it is that that dream is. So, um, resist the temptation to speak out on that nightmare, what the enemy is saying and hold off until you get true revelation of what God is saying to you about you and, uh, over that, over that nightmare. Um, so, you know, just totally understanding that one word from God can totally turn a season around, can totally turn, you know, your life around, right? So it is worth it to wait until you have correct and true revelation on your dreams. Um, sometimes it may seem, um, um, pressing and sometimes it may seem like, like dire. Uh, but I don't think that in the case of nightmares, it really is that way. It's really just the enemy stressing you out, pushing you towards fear. And so, um, I hope that makes sense. And, uh, yeah. So I wanted to also touch on, on, um, nighttime spiritual hygiene. I know this is less spiritual, <laughs> um, but also check yourself. Uh, sometimes we are, we are, we are the reason why we're having bad nights, right. Or why we're not sleeping or why we're having insomnia or why, you know, we're having pizza dreams, you know, or they turn out to be nightmares. Um, is that, uh, pay attention to when you stop eating, right. Don't eat so late. There is a process actually that digestion takes where digestion takes priority in our body. And so when it's competing, uh, with other things that our body does while it's sleeping, it gets a little wacky, right? And so, um, when digestion takes priority, everything else takes second place. Or you may be dreaming a little funky, or, you know, you may just be, um, experiencing insomnia or discomfort or, you know, all these things that come along with, with that. So pay attention to when it is that you stop eating at the end of the day. Um, try not to eat so close to bedtime and steward your night season in that way. Also ask yourself, you know, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Everybody cannot watch an action movie just before bed and have sweet dreams, right? You'll go to sleep and you'll dream that whole movie. I know I do. Um, and it has nothing to do with, you know, the enemy and it has nothing to do with the demonic. It just means that, you know, my mind is replaying what it saw and, you know, in its own little version of it. Um, also what you're listening to, uh, some of the music that we listen to carries, well, all the music really all sound in this world actually has a frequency to it. And frequencies create a reaction in our mind and our bodies. Um, you know, that, 
that they lead it to subconsciously. So um, be careful to what we're listening to, um, that whatever we're listening to also, again, not in a demonic sense, but also careful that what we're listening to isn't putting us in an altered state instead of a state of peace, you know, where we need to naturally be easing ourselves into, you know, during the night. And so, um, just be careful with that. Uh, you know, <laughs> don't be listening to house music and rave music just before bed. Okay. You might not ease into sleep as easily. Um, and I know some people that probably will though, you know, like my husband is one of those people, like it doesn't matter what was going on. His bedtime is his bedtime. And as soon as his head hits the pillow, he's out. Um, I'm not the same way. I don't, I don't operate quite the same way, but you know, just a, a, a little tidbit on that. And also, I want to add on melatonin. I'm going to give you guys just a forewarning. I'm not a medical expert. And if you can't figure that out yet, I'm not a medical expert. So please uh, take this lightly. Um, but some of you uh, maybe take melatonin. Ask yourself, if I'm, I've been taking melatonin and I've been having nightmares. If there there is actually a correlation, and I did study this because I was experiencing that, um, all of a sudden I started having nightmares again and nothing, nothing made sense of why in the world I was having nightmares. Like usually we can put it somewhere like, okay, well, you know, this and this is happening in my life, or I'm in this kind of season, or I'm doing these things. And it would make sense if the enemy would try to send me a nightmare, but no, no, no. This was just randomly out of nowhere. I started getting nightmares and I realized that I had also started taking melatonin. And so there has been a study that, um, that does, uh, relate that, you know, relate the two. So I, I do want to advise to you, uh, to be careful with that. If, if you are having, issues with insomnia and you're not sleeping well, let me tell you, if you're taking melatonin, it's a band-aid, right? Um, cause your nighttime rest is an inside job. And I know sometimes medication is needed and supplements are needed, but, um, if you can help it do the inside work and get to the root of why you're experiencing insomnia and why you're not, um, you know, going to sleep in a timely fashion. Like for example, that time when I began to take melatonin, it's because I had trained myself to stay up later and I actually wanted to get more sleep. So I'm like, well, let me do the shortcut. And really, no, it was, I had to be intentional about going to sleep a little bit earlier every night, a little bit earlier every night. And, and until I created a new rhythm for myself. And so if that's your situation, start, start doing that right? Um, you, you know, sometimes that's a bandaid or it, it will aid you, but that's not a permanent fix. You know, um, if you really are having like severe insomnia, you know, well, my friends, our time together today has come to an end. So today we, we covered the topic of spiritual hygiene for the night season, redeeming our nightmares and reclaiming our night season and overcoming the terror of the night. And Finally, punching sleep paralysis in the mouth with our power and our authority given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no need to suffer. There is no need to warfare. There is no need to fight and strive for what already belongs to us. And before I go, I declare that you have angelic intervention to aid you during the nighttime season. And I declare that God's spirit will pour upon you and that you will have an abundance of dreams in Jesus name. And I also decree the seas of night terrors 
of sleep paralysis and the seeds of insomnia in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I appreciate your time and I appreciate that you were here. If this message blessed you, please share it with somebody you love and don't forget to click the subscribe button. I pray that the Lord bless you and he keep you and I pray that his favor be on you and I pray that his grace and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Amen. Until next time, goodbye.